Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. Great time of worship, right? So amazing. Uh, We sang this song uh, earlier in the worship time, I Love You, Lord. And I don't know if you, if you remember that song many years ago for those that have no hair or gray hair or, or where the gravity seems to be winning when it comes to life. Um, I remember singing this song, I Love You, Lord, so many years ago. And uh, like we sang this song over and over again. And, and uh, as we were singing this song, I was reminded of how God is faithful, how amazing he is. I remember being in a little country church, 23 years old, pastoring this little church and singing the song with other people and, and experiencing God's presence in a radical, life-changing way so many times. And, and I, I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're watching online, all of you that are here, that God is still on the throne. He is a faithful God. We've witnessed his faithfulness in the years for those that are a little older. And uh, what we want to do is we want to put our trust on him, and we want to rely on him, and we want to take a hold of faith. Sometimes we go through journeys or seasons that are difficult, and we need to take our faith from our back pocket and, and, and put it in play and say, this is our time to walk in faith, right? Or this is our time to take faith and, 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 and trust God and rely on God. So I challenge you to do that. All right, so before we go to the word, I would ask you to stand, and we just got to place yourself before God and just uh, turn our hearts to God, just a time just to say, God, we need you in our lives. Father, we, we come before you, and, and I thank you for each person that are here and for those watching online. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're so amazing. You're so good. When we look back, uh, we see you being present. We see your presence. We see your blessings. We see your promises come to pass. You've never changed. You're still the rock. You're still here. And we thank you for the promise that you will, ne- you will never forsake us. You will never abandon us. You will always be in our midst and with us. And, and Lord, we want to stay focused on you. We want to anchor ourselves in you. God, we, we want to walk in a way that we know that you're here and with us. And not only that, that, that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? And so, God, we give you glory and honor and praises. And we turn our hearts to you fully expecting you to show up like never before. All the people of God said, amen. You may be seated. So like it was mentioned uh, on the screen, we are in the series of song or, or psalms. And uh, this is a section in the Bible where we see songs that were written for the glory of God. And they were used in the temple and also used in the church for centuries. So, so what we're doing in the summer, the goal was to put our focus on God. And when you look at the psalms, one of the main theme is to turn to God, Right? When you go through a crisis or when you go through a rough time, you are very tempted, if tempted, tempted is not the right word, but, but you are drawn to go to the psalm because there's a sense of association, right? 
You go and you read the psalm and you say, I, I know how that feels. And because when you look at the psalms, you see, you see David, mostly David wrote the, wrote the psalms, and you see him uh, bringing his cause to God and, and bringing his suffering and his sorrow and his challenges to God. And then he pours his heart to God. And then you see God come to his rescue or encourage his soul, his, soul, his inner man. And then he turns all this to praise and worship, right? It seems to be the theme when we look at the Psalms. You see uh, this man that goes through a crisis and then turns to God, brings it to God, and then is encouraged, believing that God will show up. And I think this is how life is. Life is not an easy thing, right? Life has a lot of challenges, as you know. Uh, the time that we live in today, and beyond that, all the challenges that we face from uh, dealing with sickness, dealing with uh, financial stress or relational stress, and so on, right? There's a lot of things that we don't have any control over, and sometimes it is very overwhelming, right? But one of the truths that you find in, in the Psalms, and one of the things that you see, like I said earlier, we see that God is called to be sought and desire as we see David seeking, seeking God. And when we look at the Psalms, we, we, go, we see God being des described as a hiding place, right? As a rock, as a fortress that we can go and hide behind his wings, that he is a high tower, that we can find a refuge in him. And, and that's what we find in the psalm. And, and I believe it's important for us to live this way where we make God our refuge, that we make God our rock, that we make God our fortress, that we run to him for security, and that we make him our solution. And, and one of the reasons why we have a lot of stress and the reason why this world has a lot of stress and is dealing with fear and anxiety, it's because they're traveling in this journey alone. Imagine to do life without God. When you look at the future, when even you look at the present, imagine if you would journey right now without God when it comes to your family, when it comes to your health, when it comes to whatever is around you, you would do that alone. No wonder why people are stressed, right? Because they don't have a place to go. And for us as believers, we have God to go, and we have his word to rely on. So we look at the word, and we know the end. We know that Christ is victorious. We know one day he's going to come charging in on a white horse. We know that the cross is sufficient to sponge away my sins, right? We know that he has given us the Holy Spirit to walk by. We know that we're saved by grace and not by works. So we, we have hope, and we have confidence to move forward forward. So, so the thing is, when it, comes to, when it comes to life, when it comes to what is before us, one of the major topics that you find in the Psalms is the calling to trust God. And the reason we're caught up with fear and anxiety and stress, the bottom line is it's because we don't trust God. We don't. Like, I remember taking a trip out east and we wanted to go see the family and so we left early in the morning, around 5 o'clock in the morning, and we said, let's try to go to Ottawa in one shot. Like, that's a good spin. It's at least 24-hour drive without stopping. So we hopped in the car, and we went out east. And because it was Christmas time, and weather-wise, you will hit different weather patterns as you go out east, right? Because you go through uh, the Canadian Shield, and after that, you arrive in the peninsula, in Ontario, and, like, there's a lot of different 
weather uh, pattern. So we said, we'll go by Chicago. So we'll try to escape the, the icy road. So we, we take that detour. We go to, through, uh, through Chicago. And the weather, weather was awful. And at one point, I couldn't drive 24 hours, right? I remember one time we drove so much, I felt like maybe I should see that, say that on the screen, but I felt like I was tired drunk, you know? It's like I was just laughing at everything because I was so tired. Anyway, that's another story, maybe for another message. Uh, and so, so I gave the wheel to my son, and my son started to drive, and it wasn't nice outside, and I was stressed out of my mind. Like, my son was a good driver, but he's, he, he was more kind of a, a newbie behind the wheel when it came to long distance and when it came to, to the weather. And, and so he's driving, and I'm, I'm encouraging him, saying, good job, good job, you're doing well. And inside, I'm just freaking out, right? I, I, I want to tell him, give me the wheel, give me the wheel, move over, move over, give me the wheel, I want to drive, because I'm, I'm more secure when I, when I drive, right? But, but when it's beautiful weather, I don't have a problem for him to drive. Uh, and when it comes to our faith, sometimes we like God to drive when the, smooth, when the sailing is smooth. But when, the, th when, when the, the weather changes and it starts to be rough, we want to take the wheel. Do you notice that's what we're, we tend to do? Things get rough. It's like we think about Christianity and we think about our faith and we believe, or our belief. We say, yeah, 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 but, 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 yeah, yeah, but. And we don't realize that Christ is enough. We, we don't realize that the gospel is enough. We don't realize that really, when it's all said and done, we're called to step out in faith and trust God. It's easier said than done. But this is the journey of the believer. Brothers, sisters, we're called to live by faith, not by sight, not by circumstances, not by how we feel. We're called to trust God. And that is in the heart of the Psalms. And we look at King David. He went through a lot. He had a lot of different challenges in, in his life. From being hunt, hunted down by Saul, right? Having the Philistines that want to come over all the time. Having his son betray him. And having his son wanted to kill him. And all the other stuff that he had to do as a king. He had lots of challenges. But one thing that he relayed to us, it's to trust God. And when we look at the Psalms, we've got to see that main theme that speaks to us today, to rely on God. It's easier said than done. And sometimes what happens, it becomes a cliche. You hear this? It becomes a cliche, and it's not transpired by how we live. And the reason that we are stressed is because I believe is we don't go to God. So if, if you have your Bible, take away, take, take, not take away, but take a look at Psalm 131. It's a short psalm. It really, it really spoke to me because I, I look at my journey, I look at the last summer dealing with sores in my mouth, my throat, and, and not knowing what it is. And it's, it's, been, it's been hard just personally. And sometimes uh, I did not know what to do. I don't know where to go. And, and so... So really, what, where I need to go, first of all and beyond all, I need to go to God. That's what I need to do. I can run to the right and to the left, and there's nothing wrong to find earthly solutions. But I've got to realize that earthly solutions are not my answer, but God is. And all this, he'll provide and he will make a way. And I need to believe that with my inner man. You see? Not just with my lips, but, but, but with my inner man. I need to believe that he will carry me through. 
because this is who he, who he is and that's what he does. If you look at Psalm 131, it talks about how to address fear and anxiety. And David gives us four steps. And I think they're pretty cool. So I know there's different steps. But, but these, uh, in this Psalms, you see four different things that we're called to do when it comes to dealing with stress, anxiety, fear of the unknown, and, and everything that, that overwhelms us. Let's take a look at it, all right? It says in verse 1, I'm going to read it from the NLT. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Verse 2, instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is, soul, uh, is my soul within me. Verse 3, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Beautiful songs, psalm that talks about how to deal with stress, anxiety, and fear. Verse 1, it says, Lord, my heart is not proud, and my eyes are not haughty. Um, I don't concern myself with matters too great or too small for me to grasp. What David is saying here, he admits that he's not God. He's a small player. Even though he's a king, even though he has a lot of things in charge, even though there's, uh, there's boundaries when it comes to his nation, even though he wants to uh, bring the 12 tribes together and he did that, even though he wants to uh, establish the temple that later, later on his son establishes. So there's lots that he's called to do and he's very influential. He's a king. But in the message version, version it says, I'm not the king of the hill. He admits that he's not the king of the hill. When it comes to stress and anxiety and fear, it happens when we play God. When we carry things that we should not carry. When we are, over, we are overwhelmed by stuff that are around us that we don't control. And one of the things that David learned, he learned that he is not the king of the hill, even though he's a king. He could have thought as himself as the king of the hill. But he knew because of his journey and by experience that he was not the king of the hill. Did you know that it takes the pressure off when you don't have to be always the king of the hill? Do you know that wanting to be the king, the king of the hill and always be on top and controlling everything and always have my ducks in a row and to be a master of my circumstances, it's very tiring? And what happens to us, we burn out and we get discouraged because we take responsibilities that are not ours because what we've done is that we've put our faith on the side and we're driving, taking control of our destiny and then we're overwhelmed and fear. We're waking up in the night with anxiety and all that and we panic inside of us just because we lost sight of the rock of all ages, the fortress that is Christ Jesus. And what happened is that we try to take a hold of stuff and, and we're trying to make things happen. I'm not saying here that we don't have any responsibilities. I'm aware of that. There's things that you got to manage. There's things that you have to look over. There's, there's a calling that we are accountable to. But at the same time, I am not God, nor are you. Can someone say amen? I think it takes the pressure off. Like, you look at David, he didn't always act like this. At one point, I've got the verses there, 
he, he counts his army, and he wants to know how his army is, how big it is, so he can find his trust in his army. And you know what? God is hurt by it. God is offended by it because he's saying to David, it's not, is it not me that walked with you? Is it not me that, that, that through me that you saw Goliath fall? Look, I've, I was with you. I relied on you. I, I, I provided for you. And now you want to look at the size of your army and you want to rely on yourself? Come on, David. You should know better. And I think God is telling us that. God is telling me this as I went through this journey of, of, of not being able to eat and, and having always a sores and pain in my, my, my mouth. I came to this point where I needed to say, God, do I trust you? Do I trust you with my life? I, I asked you this question, really, really. Do you trust God with your life? Honestly, no joke. Not a slogan or, or a Christian uh, slogan. Do you trust God with your life? If you do, there's a peace that comes. If you do, there's a tranquility that comes around you. If you do, there's a sense of joy that arises in you because you know that you're not in this alone. That you're not the captain of your boat. That you don't have to make things happen. I don't know if, like, if you're like me, but I like to make things happen. And I like to be in control. And I like to know where the road is heading. I, I like to vision cast. But sometimes I just got to trust. I just got to trust and believe that I'm not the king of the hill. But God is. So David needed to admit that he was in God. And I think that's so important. I, I like the story of Zerubbabel. Put, put yourself in the context of Zerubbabel. He's a governor. And he's, he wants to see Jerusalem being built back because the, the country was in a ruin. And people were coming back from exile from Babylon. And they're coming back and people, some people were living in their former homes. And, and all the the people from that region were, took back the land of the Israelites, and they come back, and it's a mess. It's a whole mess. The temple is ruined. The walls are down. Enemies are in camp around Israel. There, there's nothing to do. Like, Zerubbabel doesn't know what to do. He comes. He knows God's calling. He knows that God has a plan for Israel, but he's overwhelmed. And then he goes to see this mountain of rubbles where the temple is a ruin. He looks at the mountain of, 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 of rubbles and he says, how can the temple be built? Because, you know, people came back to Israel and they focused on their own homes and on survival, doing their own stuff. And, and they, they, they lost picture of, they lost a big picture. And so Zerubbabel goes there and he's overwhelmed by this mountain of rubbles, enemies, disaster. And God says to him, Zerubbabel it will not be by might, it will not be by power, it will be by, by my ruah, that means my wind, it will be by my spirit, and this mountain shall be removed. 
What a story, right? It's easy for us to read this from a distance, but put yourself or wear his sandals for a bit. You come back into your country. Everything is a ruin. Everybody's looking for their own lives, taking care of their own business. And then you feel God's calling to build this temple and you have no manpower. You're just alone there. You don't know what to do. And God says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Wow. And you know what happened? The temple was built. You know what happened? The flame came back and, and God was able to restore Israel again, preparing Israel for the Messiah. Did, did you know that God has a plan? Did you know that God is in control? He's going somewhere. But am I going with him? Am I following him? Am, am I trusting him? Am I able to look at this mountain of rubbles and say, it's not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit. Can I rely on the spirit of God? Can I rely on his promises? Am I making Christ my rock? Or am I looking to the right and to the left and be caught with anxiety and fear and be stressed out of my mind? That's not for the church. The church shouldn't be stressed. The church shouldn't be overwhelmed because we know whom we believed in, right? Amen? We know that our security is found in Christ. So what we want to do is we want to acknowledge that there are things that we can't fix. Only God can. Look at what verse 2 where it says. I think it's so cool. So he says, instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Instead of being overwhelmed and being, or being a reactionist, what he does, it says here, I have called and quieted myself. He knows that he cannot carry the world in his shoulders. So what he, do, what he does, he calms himself. He, here it says, he quiet himself. And that's a decision that I have to do. That is, a, that is something that I do, calming myself, quieting myself. Okay, Claude, I was going to, take, I was going to say take a pill. That's not, don't take a pill. Chill, chill, just chill, chill. Am I not on the throne? Do you know that you love me? Do you know that you care? Do you know that I care for you, says the Lord? And one of the things that we do, we react or we get overwhelmed and we don't go to God. Or we might go to God in comparison to all the other stuff we go to. It's not even on the same scale. Right? You'll watch YouTube. You'll watch this. You will hear this. You will do that. And you will spend a little, little, little amount of time in God's presence. And you expect that little bit of time or that little amount of time will play a big role in your life. It won't. Because you will do according to what you feed yourself by. That's the way it is. That's the way it was. And that's the will always be. So the thing is, when it comes to David, as much that there was a lot of stress and a lot of tension, he quieted himself down and he stopped and he started to evaluate and see how he was called to live. And I think it's so important. And that's what we find in Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It's nice to have that on a, on, on, on a frame in your house. It's nice to have that on a hallway in a church. But is it true? Come on. 
Is it true? Is it true or a beautiful saying? Or a cliche or yeah? Is it true? It's true. It's true. The word of God is true. So when I come to him and I bring it to him, my worry, the heaviness, the burdens, he will give me rest. Look what it says in Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. Wow. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. So he's, he makes the Lord his strength. He trusts in him in all of his heart. He expects God to help him because God does. And he's filled with joy and he bursts in song of thanksgiving. His situation is the same. Did you get this? His situation is the same, but he caught something, and he saw something. He saw God, and he was, the Holy Spirit came on him and through him. Psalm 18, verse 5 says, In my distress, I prayed to God, and the Lord answered me. And what did the Lord do? Set me free. The Lord is for me. Can you say that to your neighbor? The Lord is for me. And then you have to say, the Lord is for you too. (laughs) The Lord is for me. Wow. Just that. If you remember this from the sermon, praise the Lord. I did my job. The Lord is for who? The Lord is for me. He's for me. He's on my side. And I know that I'm called to be on his side. I get that. I know that I'm called to be a disciple. I get that. But I also am called to get that ease for me. It's not me saying this. It's, it's the Bible. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere men do to me? Ha. Huh. It could be instead of a question mark or a question mark, it could, it could be an exclamation mark. Really. What can a man do to me? I remember in my teenage years, I know time is flying. Well, I was about, I was about 13 years old, uh, early 80s, um, and uh, tried to follow Jesus in that time as a young teenager. Uh, I, I remember the, uh, there was a strong emphasis in the end time at uh, that time because the computer came out and the board cards came out and, and uh, there was a lot of talk on the end times. Actually, around 13 and 14, I never, uh, I, honestly, I believe that I would never get to 20. I thought I would die or the rapture or something would happen before uh, I would get to 20. And that was a guarantee that I would never get to 20. I had a sense, I had a belief that I would never get married. I remember being sad in my teenage year, I'll never have a family, I'll never be able to grow up and all this because I thought for sure, I was convinced by my context and my environment that I would never get to 20. And you know one of the things, if I share you my heart, that I was not able to share to my parents at that time, I had such a fear of the Antichrist, it was unreal. I was caught up by the fear of the Antichrist. I remember people, people preaching, people saying that he's probably, probably alive right now, preparing to take rule, and I was freaking out in my little heart as a kid. 
I, I remember watching movies, and maybe that was not a good time. There was a lot of movies about the end times and, and, and the rapture and, and Antichrist and all that. I, I, I remember this, in this movie where you have this kid that looks at his head because he's like in his hair and he's afraid to see that he has the mark of the beast. And then he sees 666 on his call through his hair, and he's freaking out. He said, I don't want to be the Antichrist. And I remember watching this movie, and I said, maybe I'm the Antichrist. And I want, I want to serve you, God. And the fear got a hold of my heart. It was ridiculous. I wasn't able to say that to my parents, right? I just kept that inside of me, walking in fear. It would have been awesome to hear a message in all this that said, I've got you, son. No matter what happens, no matter what you're dealing with, whatever happens around you, I've got you. But I, I didn't hear this. I was, what I heard was, if the rapture comes, are you going to be taken away? Are you good enough? Are you good enough? You're good enough. It's coming. It's coming. Fear and anxiety caught my heart. And when I discovered grace, it was amazing. When I discovered the love, the Father's love for me, it rocked me. And to know that I'm his changed everything in my life. But I need to know, and I need to have the faith that he's got me. Can you tell that to your neighbor? He's got me. He's got you. He really does. So the first thing you got to do is you got to realize that you're not the king of the hill. And it's okay if you're not the king of the hill because there's one better than you to be the king of the hill. And his name is Jesus. Secondly, I have to quiet and calm myself. Thirdly, I need to know that he's got me. I need to know he's gotten me. Look at verse 2. It says, like a weaned child who is no longer, uh, who no longer, who no longer is Christ or for his mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. What David is saying here is I don't have to cry like a baby to have God's attention. You know, a baby doesn't know what to trust, right? He just knows his need. Wah! Wah! Wah. And the mother comes and feeds the baby. Wah. Wah. And the mother comes and the dad comes and feeds the baby. After a while, the baby starts to realize, ha, huh, someone's caring for me. So when the baby is weaned, he's not afraid of not having milk or not having food because he saw in the past that he was cared for. So David sees himself on, on the breast of his mother, not needing any milk, because he knows that God, he knows that his mother has got him. So David is talking to say, hey, uh, I'm not the king of the hill. Whoa, I've chilled out. I trust God. And you know what? He's got me. I don't have to beg. I don't have to, like, be mad at God. When God, when God, when God, when God, when God. I know that we're called to persevere, ask, seek, and knock. But I need to have in my heart, like it says in this, in this, song, in this, in this phrase, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Did you get this? In my soul, I know he's got me. So I'm not afraid of not having any milk. I'm not afraid of being forsaken. I'm not afraid of being forgotten. He's got me. And that's what David says. I think it's so cool. 
And I know there's battles in a war and we need to persevere and pray. And I know there's multiple pieces when it comes to answered prayer. There's a lot of pieces in play and sometimes we got to persevere and not quit. But I don't want to believe that God is distant and hard to approach or toying with me or hard to please. Like the Baal's priests that were cutting themselves, trying to have God's attention. My God is not like this. He's got me and he's got you. And my sole responsibility is to trust in him and rely on him because he's a rock, a fortress, a hiding place. And he will never leave me, never forsake me. Like Jesus said, not to be like uh, the pagan that have religious, uh, repetitious prayer with no relationship, but know that he's got you. Look what it says in Psalm 131, verse 2 from the Living Bible. I am quiet now before the Lord, just as a child who is weaned from the breast. Yes, my begging has been still. My begging has been still. I know that he's got me. So it's so important, people. Listen to this. I'm going to, I know I'm, I'm, talking longer this morning, I need to remember. I need to remember what God has done in the past. That's why we have the Bible. The Bible, one of the reasons we have the Bible is to remind us who God is and to remind us how faithful he is. And, and so we got to re, re, remember what God has done in our lives in the past. We got to stop and, 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 and know that we're called to, to rely and, and to have our, our foundation on him and to know that we're that life is way bigger than me, and, and God will go beyond what I can do. My last point, and not the least, we need to put our hope in God. And that's what he says in verse 3. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. When it says put your hope, it's not like I wish, I hope that you will feel good. And that, that, that's what it says. It's not a positive thinking. Okay, I've got to be, I have to have a positive, positive words. No. Oh, it's not like playing roulette with God. No. It, it, the word here means to wait with expectation. Hope means that you wait with expectation. Not to be passive, but you know that God's going to do something about it. You see? Listen to this as I conclude. First, you got to realize that you're not the king of the hill. That takes the pressure off. you got to chill and just refocus. And third, you have to realize my faith is anchored in God. He's got me. And the last point is, I need to believe that God will make a way in the wilderness. I need to know that God will do something. And God is in the game. That he's in my boat. That he's up to something. And you live with expectation. That's how David lived. With expectation. So we're called not to walk in defeat and discouragement or think it's the end. No. My Jesus and your Jesus is still on the throne. And so what we want to do is we want to keep our eyes on him. So to live with expectation and know that he's still the same. I'm going to finish with this verse. Verses from Lamentation chapter 3 verse 20. Jeremiah wrote this. And he wrote it in a hard context where Jerusalem was in ruin. And people were being brought captive in Babylon. And he says, I will never forget this awful time. It was an awful time. As I grieve over my lost. As a prophet, it was a disaster what happened in Israel. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the love never ends. His mercy never comes to an end. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. I say to myself, 
And that's so important. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will, not, I, will, I will hope in him. The Lord is good for those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And again, put yourself in his shoes. His whole country was burned down. He was thrown into a pit, not knowing he's going to live or not. Tradition will say that, some will say that he ran to, to, uh, to Egypt. And it was hard, but he made God his hope. I want to encourage you people to stay focused on the Lord and make God your foundation. To take your faith from your back pocket. And it's time to walk by faith. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.